Hey everybody, Joe McCall, REI in your car. How are you doing? Do you hear the uh, background music? Doc McStuffins? I have Jewel in the car with me. Hey, Jewel, say hi. <laughs> That's my daughter. She's five, almost six. She turns six in a couple days. So we're just driving home from gymnastics, and she's walking. I mean, she's watching uh, Doc McStuffins. Um, hold on, I'm gonna tell you. I'm gonna tell her who you guys are. Hold on. Okay, so I told her who you all were. <laughs> I don't think she understands. But anyway, I wanted to just record this podcast real quick while I'm driving and before I forget because. Just in the last, while she was at gymnastics, I was going through some of my boxers, answering questions from students. And um, I love Voxer, by the way. They just added transcription, so they can you can get your messages transcribed. And so my coaching students get to ask me questions on Voxer, and at least once a day I'm in there answering them. And it's pretty cool. You can do a voice question, like you can record your voice. It's like a walkie-talkie is what it is. Anyway, I had two different questions from two different people uh, about something that happens a lot in this business when you're first getting started. You get somebody that tells you you can't do it, like, or even worse, like, that's illegal, that's a scam, you can't do that, etc. And, or something like, well, you can't do it that way, you have to do it this way. So a case in point... I have two cases in points that one of them was a this is a student who's doing some lease options and getting a leasing agent to help her advertise the properties so a realtor advertising the properties and the realtor started bringing up a ton of questions about lease options like what if this happens what if that happens what if this happens so that I, I, I left a message to the student I said well with all those questions those are good questions not saying they're bad but that tells me this is not probably the right leasing agent for you. One of the questions was, well, what about a property inspection? So what if they lease option the property at the beginning, and then in two years, they uh, the bank requires that they get an inspection on the property, and um, there's major problems, and then they won't finance it. Okay, that's a good objection. That's a good question, right? Well, that's why we require the tenant buyers to get an inspection at the beginning. And then the, uh, the other question was about what if the house doesn't appraise? Or what, no, no, the question was what if they uh, get, well, what was the question? Oh, yeah, yeah. She said, what if they do everything you tell them to do and they still can't get a mortgage in two years? Then what's going to, so she's kind of worried, like, what if this all comes back and bites her in the butt? And I get it. That's, but that's like the mentality of every single realtor I know in the world. Um, and so I, I said, well, good question again but the if they do everything that we tell them to do and they still can't get a get a mortgage then they didn't do everything we told them to do because we only take people in our homes that have a realistic chance of getting a mortgage in six to twelve months and we give them 24 months we give them two years and we get this opinion or advice from a mortgage broker right so it's just if it happens it happens i mean what if yeah what if the sky falls and what if uh, Trump gets um, impeached, right? And the market crashes, which I wouldn't be surprised at this rate. 
<laughs> whatever, right? Uh, so like, what if the housing market crashes and prices fall in half? What if the market booms, you know, gets really good and the prices are get doubled? And the seller says, well, hey, I don't want to sell this now. I mean, look how much equity it has now. Or what if the prices fall in half? What if there's an earthquake? What if the tenant buyer's great-grandmother's cousin dies and the tenant buyer gets a huge inheritance and gets a million dollars and doesn't want to buy the house anymore? Like all of this stuff, you could go on and on and on and on and on. So basically, I said, in in not as I remember, I don't remember the exact way I said it, but sometimes you just gotta get some. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? I don't want to say something that's offensive. Like you gotta get some. Uh, how about a backbone? You gotta get a stronger backbone, and say like, no, listen, those are good questions, and and but uh, I'm the one calling the shots here. These are my contracts. We're not using your contracts. We're not doing them the way the traditional realtors. You're representing me, and you're you're gonna use these contracts. And you're just going to do what I ask you to do. You don't need to worry about all that stuff, right? I'll let me worry about that. All I want you to do is stick it on Craigslist and take calls. And that's it. So don't worry about it. So if they're bringing those objections to you, then maybe you need to find somebody else. All right. Case in point number dose. This friend of mine who's also a client is doing some lease options. He's got a sweet deal. It's going to be a great sandwich lease option deal. We're partnering on it. And he has a mortgage broker that does a lot of his mortgages for his regular business. He's a realtor and he's a good mortgage broker. He likes lease options. But then he says, matter of factly, like adamantly, that the tenant buyer has to make the check out, the earnest money or the option deposit check at the beginning of the lease option, has to make the check out to the seller. And that's just BS. It, it really is. And I'm not saying he doesn't know what he's doing, he doesn't know his job. But let's say it's a regular transaction, okay? And whenever, in any state, when you're putting an earnest money deposit down on a house, that you make it out to the seller. You almost always make it out to a title company, right? Or an escrow company. So then what happens? In a month or two months, when it comes time to close, right? You show the bank this check made out to the escrow company. Um, and that's it, right? So... If are you saying that if the on a regular normal transaction, if the buyer makes out his check to a escrow company, um, that he can't close on the deal because the check wasn't made out to the seller? Does that make sense? Um, so yeah, there's there's here's the thing: you've you've got to find a mortgage broker that is willing and knows what you're doing and knows how to do knows how to play the game. Does that make sense? And it's not that it's like deceitful or you're falsifying or hiding things. It's not that at all. It's just how you present the deal. And I've talked to many mortgage brokers, and, and we've done this before, where um, there's some banks that will say, yeah, fine, no problem. And there's some banks that will say, no, you can't do that. You have to do it this way. Okay, so you've got to make sure you're working with people on your team, that mortgage brokers that understand, okay, well, some banks are going to say, yeah, we want to show, we want to see proof that the money went from the... Um, tenant buyer to the seller um, and then to you the investor all right uh, so just recently um, we have a mortgage broker that we do a lot of our lease options with he's a friend of mine he does he's licensed to do lease options in all 50 states and uh, he, he we talked about this very same exact thing in a workshop that we had here in st. Louis just a few days ago and he said you know if you don't 
uh, if you don't present it right, you have to show the bank a, a, an option deposit made out to an escrow company. And nine times out of ten, they won't even ask about it. And they just see it, and that's good enough for them, and they and they do that. But when they do ask for it, you explain to them what it is that they're doing, what what it is that you're doing. And then they may say, okay, well, it, we can't do it because it has to be whatever this way. Then that's fine. You just go to a different bank. All right? So, bottom line, if I'm making any sense here, it is that when a somebody somebody on your dream on your dream team somebody on your team that you're trying to get to help you in your business could be a title company an attorney um, an accountant a escrow company a mortgage broker etc etc when they say that you can't do something um, you know take it with a grain of salt but get a second and third and fourth and fifth opinion okay don't sometimes you have to get 10 opinions until you finally find a title company that says yeah we can do that for you not a big deal I can't tell you how many, and I've talked about this a lot, like I can't tell, me, tell you how many times I've had people tell me, no, you can't do that. And if I would have listened to them, it's just like, there's no way I would have ever gotten to do any deals if you listen to everybody that tells you, no, you can't do it. So you're going to get that a lot, right? And you just have to press through that. You have to blast through it and say, all right, well, okay, I'll just find somebody else. Thanks for your help anyway. And you just keep on asking around. You'll find people that do, can do it. Like, like, I'll just give you another example. In, in St. Louis, um, if I were to pick up the phone or go through the yellow pages and find title companies, I can guarantee you probably all of them would say, no, you can't do subject twos where you take over the mortgage. Or, no, you can't put a property in a trust. Okay, fine. I get it. You can't do it. Now, if they tell you it's illegal, you can't do that, well, they're, they're flat out wrong. There's no law that says you can't do subject twos or you can't do land trusts or whatever. So what do I do? I can just fold my hands, fold my business, whatever, and give up? No. I got to ask around, okay? And I know some investors that are doing a lot of subject twos and putting properties in land trust, right? And so then you ask them, well, which title company do you use? Which attorney do you use for, the, for your deals? And they'll tell you. And then guess what? You use them until, well, whatever. So anyway... I'm not saying you should do subject twos, by the way. I don't like subject twos personally, but I'm just, as a, as a point, to not say no. Just find out. Like, you know, sometimes the best the best way to ask these kinds of questions is, uh, listen, this is what I'm trying to do. Uh, how would you recommend we do it? Don't maybe not even tell them how you want it to be done, but ask them, how, how do you recommend that we do it? Uh, another example is, is like uh, when a tenant buyer actually is ready to get financing on a lease option house and you're doing a sandwich lease option so you're staying in the middle. What about the whole seasoning issues, right? Well, you ask people and they're going to say you can't do sandwich lease options because the tenant buyer can't get financing unless there is 90-day seasoning. Um, well, there's ways around that, okay? 90 days before closing, you could do a quick claim deed, right? You could record a loan or lien against the property for whatever your profit is. Um, or you could actually buy the house subject to for 90 days. And um, there's, so there's like two three different ways. You just got to make sure that when you're getting into the deal up front, you're working with the right team members that understand what you're trying to do and can help you find creative ways to do what you need to do. So there, where there's a will, there's a way. Does that make sense? Uh, cool. Let's see. Anything else I wanted to say about all that? Always open, be open and disclose everything in your business, right? No matter what kind of deals you're doing, always fully disclose everything that you're doing. It's okay to disclose how much profit you're making and, and how you're making your money and all that good stuff. And uh, 
The other thing I was going to say was don't ever promise, over-promise. Like promise something you cannot deliver. Like when it comes to, in my original examples of the uh, tenant uh, buying the property, I never can promise. I never promise or guarantee that the tenant buyer will buy the property. I never can promise or guarantee that the tenant buyer will be able to get a mortgage if they do all that stuff that they're supposed to do on their credit. Nobody can under, nobody can predict or, or accurately guess what bank underwriting principles or, or, or underwriting guidelines are going to be in two years. It, it may be that the minimum credit score drops to 300. And, and wouldn't this be awesome? If uh, Trump or somebody in the, in, the, in the federal government says, let's get rid of FICO credit scores because they're ridiculous and pointless. Uh, right? So you never, you just never know. Um, so don't ever promise or anything. Like even with the tenant buyers on a lease option, we do not promise that their money can be applied towards the down payment. So when it comes time for that tenant buyer to get financing, if you're working with the right mortgage broker, that mortgage broker is going to help you write up a new sales contract to make it to make the numbers work the way they're supposed to work. All right. So the whole point of all this, if it makes sense, is uh, don't take no for an answer. And you're the one calling the shots. You're the boss. Okay. You're the chief. Only one chief in the kitchen. Only one chef in the kitchen. Something like that. Uh, you got to you got to just be doggedly determined to find a way to make it work and don't take no for an answer. Cool? All right, guys, see ya.